Succeeding in the world of small business is a tremendous accomplishment. Being in business for more than a century and creating something that is nationally known, well, that is a dream come true. And it's a story of our guest. He's a graduate of our school, and he's one of the distinguished alumni we are honoring this year. Coming up, a conversation with Michael Speech, Jr. of the Speech Family Candy Shop. Well, welcome to Chatting About College, a podcast originating from Onondaga Community College in Syracuse, New York. My name is Roger Marabito. We record our conversation in the studios of our Broadcast Media Communications degree program. It's located in the Whitney Applied Technology Center on our campus. Well, on the night of October 6th, we will honor this year's class of what we call Alumni Faces. These are former students who've made a difference in their community and in their chosen profession. Our guest today is Michael Speech, Jr. He's a 2002 graduate of Onondaga Community College and a member of our Alumni Faces class of 2021. Michael, welcome to the podcast and welcome back to Onondaga Community College. Oh, Roger, thank you so much for having me. This is so such an honor for me. It's great to have you here. Thanks. So today you are the president and head chocolatier of the Speech Family Candy Shop located at 2400 Lodi Street. Mm-hmm. But many, many years ago when you were attending Liverpool High School working in the family business, was not what you dreamed for yourself. Can you take us back to what things were like then? Oh, goodness. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I was the stereotypical rebel of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, I had seen what being in business meant and what those what those priorities were and how things fell, you know, with a normal life versus, you know, a, a life that was business-driven. So I really kind of made a decision probably when I was 15, 16 years old, that I didn't want to be a business owner. I didn't want to be taking over the family business. That was always a question I got asked by family and friends. And for me, I said, you know, I'd rather work a job nine to five and get a check and make sure that check was going to clear. That was kind of, (laughs) you know, when you're running a family business, it all comes down to how much work you put in and how much you can take out of the business. So I, uh, I literally, I was like anything else other than being a candy maker or running a business. So I fell in love with theater in, in high school as well as music. So that was kind of where my passion was leading me. So when I had the opportunity, once I got through graduation, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I really wasn't sure. Um, That's when OCC really popped in my head. And I was like, this is an opportunity for me to put in two years, see if it's something I want to do. And in two years, have a degree and then decide whether I want to continue that. So that was kind of where I planned it out. So you wanted something performance related and you decided to give our electronic media communications program a try. How'd it go for you? What'd you think of it? I absolutely loved the program. Um, The professors were wonderful. Um, (laughs) It was a really refreshing feel, um, especially in from going from the high school experience into a college experience, you know, we called all of our professors by their first names. It was Tony and Vinny and uh, it wasn't, you know, like professor, whatever. Sure. So it was almost casual. And I think that that helped, especially with me, you know, I felt more like I was on a level versus, oh, I'm being taught as a student. And after being in high school that whole time, you know, you'd want to like almost stop your education for a second. (laughs) (laughs) So having that moment of like almost feeling like you're around comrades rather than in a lecture setting, it, it made a huge difference for me. And that's one of the things I loved about my time here. It was very much like that. We could go and engage with our professors and 
ask questions without feeling like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, this, the typical response from a professor, or, you know, to a student. So you did great here and you wound up getting a full scholarship to Ithaca College. Mm-hmm. And you were, you were majoring in what there? So my major there was theatrical production arts, uh, specializing in theatrical um, technology. Mm-hmm. But um, it was funny because I was a sound designer. So technically, I was still a designer, and I should have been under the design track. But because of the technology piece, it falls under the production technology. So you do great there, and you wind up going to Broadway, mm-hmm. and you're working on as many as nine different plays at a single time. Yeah. What was that like? Um, insane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for anyone that's worked in the theater world to do a production one at a time is intense because you're putting in a lot of hours and working out a lot of that. And then when you get into tech and rehearsal and dress rehearsals, it's a lot. I remember at one point going from one rehearsal in the morning over to another theater to do another rehearsal that went from like one in the morning, one at night all the way, th- well, one in the afternoon, all the way through to like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night mm. and doing it all over again the next day. Oh. So um, it, it was intense. And I think one of the things I realized was it that kind of a lifestyle and to do what I wanted to do, I, which I loved, um, it kind of almost started burning me out a little bit at that point. So you get to the summer of 2007 and you are burned out. You've had enough and you wind up coming back home. You're exhausted. Mm-hmm. What What are things like for you at that point? What are you thinking? Uh, very, I mean, I was going through crazy depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of my biggest things now, 20, you know, going back, you know, 2020 in hindsight, you, um, <laughs> I, I think I was, I needed some mental issues. I had some mental issues and I needed some therapy. And one of my biggest things now is mental health, especially among business owners and, you know, anyone that works in the hierarchy of a business. Um, It's something we don't talk about because you're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to be Mm -hmm. the support for everyone else under you. But if you're not mentally sound, you're never going to be able to help the people that need your support. So I was a huge, I'm a huge advocate for that to this day. But I basically went through a, a minor nervous breakdown. I think I might have eaten three times in two weeks. I think I might have showered once. Yeah. I don't remember getting out of bed very much. And my parents just kind of let me do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, it was it was a big depression for me. So it's the summer of 2007 and the state fair is coming up, which is a big deal for your business because you make fudge and you sell it there. Mm-hmm. So you're given the opportunity to be the person that makes fudge. Mm-hmm. They just leave you alone and let you go. And, and what happens? So my mom that morning, one morning, it was early August. She was like, you know, Michael, the fair's coming up in two weeks. I know you got a lot of stuff going on, but I would really appreciate it. If, like, even if you go down to the candy store and just make one batch of fudge so we have something to start with, I would really appreciate it. So mentally, <laughs> after thinking about it, I was like, um, okay, I guess I'll think about it. And like a, the following day, I woke up early, grabbed my computer, grabbed my stuff, and I went down to the candy store and I just started making fudge and started making labels for the packaging and all that kind of stuff. And my mom ended up coming down to the candy store probably close to midnight that night. And after I'd been there since six o'clock that morning, and she came up to me and literally shook me. She was like, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. I'm making fudge. That's what you wanted me to. I literally got headphones on and I'm not paying any attention. And she literally turns me around and there's a big marble table up on the candy store on the second floor where we would produce stuff. And 
on that table is probably close to 700 pounds of fudge. Oh my gosh. I just, um, way more fudge than we would ever go through in a single fair. Yeah. Uh, and it was all done, all packaged and labeled. And I had just worked my way through it. And it was a little bit shocking for me, I think, because I didn't realize I had done that. Yeah. But at the same time, it was so easy and just natural. And that's kind of where I realized, I'm like, maybe I need to rethink this. Mm. And that that was the beginning. So the fair goes well, mm -hmm. but the family business overall is not doing great. And it's time for a difficult conversation. So how does that go? So after the fair, my parents sat my sisters and I down. Um and they were like, you know, we're thinking about selling the business or liquidating it. Mm -hmm. My mom, you know, after run, helping running the business with my dad for over 20 years, you know, they realized they had put everything that they had into it and there was no retirement. You know, my father's health wasn't very good, so there's no health insurance. Um, and here they are, you know, getting a little bit older and they're starting to really consider that. So a few years prior, my mom ended up taking a full-time job with the government, working with the post office, which had full benefits, you know, good pay. And, you know, she was able to do that stuff. But what happened was the business became a hobby. So the hours weren't always the same, you know, the, the, the stock and inventory wasn't always kept up and, you know, they could be open on a Monday. They could not be open on a Saturday. It, it, it just depended on how tired my mother was. So uh, it became, that was the time for that conversation. Mm -hmm. So my sisters both had really good jobs. They were both managers in retail. So for either of them to give up that would have been very difficult. And here I am, I'm like, well, I got nothing going on. <laughs> so I told them, I'm like, mom, dad, I will give it my all for three years. At least I would have said that I wouldn't let the business die without me at least giving it what I could. So I liquidated everything I had. I had some retirement, I had some savings and just took over the business. And that was November of 2007. That's amazing. So one of the things you had to do was create a website for the business. And I know you had learned something about that kind of thing while you were a student here at OCC. And you um, leaned back on that, didn't you? Definitely. Um, one of my favorite courses here, we were learning web, basic web design with HTML. And this is like pre-JavaScript and all that kind of stuff. So we, I remember pulling out those books, and I remember when I was a student, I actually purchased the full version. So I had the software at home. Oh. So it was Adobe Go Live, which no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's before Dreamweaver came out when Sony sold Dreamweaver over to Adobe. And But um, yeah, I basically built a website within two weeks. So at least we had something of an online presence. Mm -hmm. And online shopping, as we all know, has just exploded. Mm -hmm. So your customer base now isn't just local or the neighborhood or Onondaga County. It's everywhere, isn't it? It is. It is nationwide. I mean, at this point, the nice thing is that because the name has been around for so long, mm -hmm. we have a lot of people that are, they've moved out of They've moved out of the area, you know, but they might have grown up with speech candy in their head. So we see a lot of people ordering. Um, I get orders all the time from the West Coast and believe it or not, from the middle of the country. I don't know if they don't have candy stores there, but like <laughs> I'm sending stuff out there every week. And it's really interesting to see where a lot of people are coming from. And the best part is on our website, there's a little note that people can leave to us. Um, when they're checking out and some of the, some of those are filled in with some great stories. Like people coming in and being like, I remember speeches when I was in kindergarten and my parents would bring me there after I'd have a dentist appointment. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're, you know, they're living in, you know, North Carolina. Yeah. So um, it's really nice to see that that kind of 
always comes back. That's great. So today, what are a few of your signature products? Wow. Um, so our if you can line, limit it to, I know, yeah. right? So over the past year, a uh, few years, we have expanded amazingly. Um, the product line has just kind of gotten to a point where I think there's over. If you go to our website, there's probably over six thousand products listed there. Um, a lot of stuff we make that are made to order, but we do have a lot of different shapes that we do in chocolate and mm-hmm. various things. I would have to say that you know the top products are probably our chocolate potato chips which have been our signature since the 80s when yes. my parents ran the business. Those are continuing to be you know, one of our biggest sellers. Followed by probably um, the second line would probably be the chocolate brickles, which is um, our version of chocolate bark. So instead of doing almond bark or peppermint bark, we decided we're going to do 80 different varieties and switch them out throughout the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's basically those kind of products, which is fun because I think it's also – it kind of – satisfies a lot of different people and their tastes and their likes. Your great-grandfather, who was an Italian immigrant, started the business in 1920. And last year, in the middle of COVID, unfortunately, you did celebrate your 100th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And you released 100 new products and donated profits to nonprofit organizations. Why was it important for you to be so involved in the community? So, uh, you know, when we were thinking about it, you know, we started talking about our 100th anniversary in 2018. And I have a lot of family friends who own businesses, and I've been very involved with a lot of different nonprofits and charities. And, you know, one of the things people were saying, like, oh, well, you know, 2020 for your 100th anniversary, you just have a party every month. Just just (laughs) live it up. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a time to celebrate. And I was like, yeah, I mean, we could do that. But, you know, at a certain point, how much are you just boosting yourself up over and over again? And it's the same story. I was like, I don't know. I feel like there needs to be more to it. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about stuff. And when I actually was in school, I had to take an ethics course. um, And the teacher made us read an article about a young woman who was um, writing her doctoral thesis on sustainability and the environment. And one of the key things I took from that, and I remember it to this day, was she basically said that if every person in the world just did 10 good deeds a day without looking for a pat on the back, without looking for, you know, an award or a representation, and it would just be something that make the world a better place. I mean, we would just be in a much better place than we are today. And that kind of always stuck with me. And for some reason that night when I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, 10 good, te- 10 good deeds, 10 decades, 100 years, it made sense. Hmm. So that's when we created the 10, de- 10 Decades of Giving event, which was the give back to the community. So we opened it up. So we said, you know, anyone that wants to nominate a nonprofit – because we have hundreds of nonprofits. I had no idea how many nonprofits we had in central New York, but we have so many. And some of them I've worked with, some of them I never heard of before. Sure. And so we opened it up to the community for a three-week period. People could nominate different nonprofits. And basically, we, we chose the top 10 nominated organizations, and we partnered with them for 2020 so that they would receive a percentage of all of our sales every month. And how did it go? It went very well. I mean, Obviously, we had 2020 to contend with, and sure. we were looking to do events every month with each one of those nonprofits, and we were looking to, you know, really support them. You know, I thought we did pretty well. I mean, it worked out nicely because people were still able to order online, and again, all of those sales, percentage of all of those went to those organizations. A lot of them had a lot of great support. A lot of those organizations had some really great support systems and support platforms and very supportive, loyal donors. And all they did was say, hey, speeches is supporting us. Go buy candy and help us out too. So that was great. It was like a we both mutually benefited from the transaction. People got our products. 
organizations got some fundraising done, um, really with no effort, which I thought was nice. And also we became advocates for each one of those organizations. And I got a really great education in some amazing, amazing charities and nonprofits in the city. That's great. Yeah. So you've got a big night coming up in October. You're going to be part of our uh, class of 2021 for alumni faces. I'm wondering how you felt when you heard that you would be honored. I was shocked, actually. I thought it was something. I thought it was kind of like a gimmick. Like I'm like, oh, <laughs> OCC just wants me to come back and talk. I am all about that. <laughs> no, but then when um, I found out, I have family that are actually part of the alumni faces and people um, that I know that are on the board and the foundation. Um, I, I was floored. I was like, wow. And I was trying to figure out, I mean, I know there's more people that deserve this kind of honor, but I am so honored and humbled by that because it's, it's, it's nice to be recognized. Um, but I, at the same time, I try to make sure that people realize that the reason I'm here and the reason I'm successful is because of the people I've surrounded myself with and the experiences I've had. And I have to attribute a lot of that to my time here at OCC. That's awesome. Well, before we let you go, we have a game we want to play with you. It's called Box of Questions. Awesome. So in honor of our seven alumni faces in the class of 2021, we've put seven random questions in a box. We're going to pull them out one at a time, and we're going to learn great things about you in the process. Oh, boy. All right. These are (laughs) incredibly probing questions. (laughs) All right. To start us off, your first car. My first car. Okay. The first car I had was a 1990 Lincoln Continental. It was black. It was used. Um, it was the first vehicle I drove and I drove it to, I drove it to school every day in high school. Um, but it had air ride, um, back then. I'm not sure if you remember the shocks. So supposedly it was a luxury thing. It was supposed to make your ride very luxurious and smooth, but when the airbags in the air, in the air ride system would pop, you were basically on the wheels and it basically was like every bump you hit, that car went up in the air. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think I spent more money on having that fixed every time it happened than I ever spent on any other part of the car. <laughs> A lot of people have this sort of romantic image of their first car. Do you do you have that or are you happy that's long gone? You know what though? I loved it. It was like driving a boat. And yes. I couldn't fill, yeah. I mean, there was probably at one point I probably had nine kids in that car and I would drive people home <laughs> after school instead of having to wait for the bus. So like we would find like a route on the way back home so I could get to my house. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right. Question number two, you can go to one concert to see any band in their prime at any point in history. Who would it be? Oh, wow. I have to say like Elton John. Oh, okay. I would love to have seen Elton John like when he was doing like all the costumes. And I know my mom, I think, went to go see him when he was at the Dome back in the 70s or 80s. Okay. Um, I would love to have gone to see him because I think he's probably one of the most amazing performers mm-hmm. and representation of you know theater and music altogether. Amazing that he's still around and planning to come here next I know, year. Next yeah. year. I was like, ooh, maybe I spurge on those tickets. So. <laughs> next question. You've had a long day at work. You don't feel like cooking dinner. What's your go-to takeout? Go-to takeout? I would have to say um, Indian food. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right around the corner from my house is a great little Indian restaurant. It's all family owned and operated. Nice. I literally call up and I'm like, hi, it's Michael. And they're like, do you want your regular? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How good is that to have any place where they know what you want? Exactly. You know? Oh, yeah, that's so it's, good. It's one of my favorite things about local. Oh. Uh, next question. Your favorite caffeinated beverage? Favorite caffeinated beverage? I, I'm a huge French press mm. fan. 
Okay. So I'm a huge fan of doing like a traditional French press coffee. Do you make your own? I do. Okay. I do. Good for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Uh, cat or dog? Dog. I have two. Do you? Yeah. And my partner is a huge fan of Star Wars. So their names are Vader and Leia. <laughs> so. Do they look like either? No. 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 That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite OCC person and why? My favorite OCC person? It could be a former professor or someone you were in school with? Uh, I'd have to say um, one of my best friends, Michelle, um, she actually is an alumni. We came here together. We went to Liverpool together. Wow. We came to OCC together. Um, and uh, and after OCC, we both ended up transferring to Ithaca too. So she conti- she continued from OCC into the Park School of Communications at Ithaca and when mm-hmm. I went into theater. But um, we were roommates for a while. We nice. were always here. And to this day, she's one of my favorite people. And we visit. She actually comes home from California all the time. And it's like no time has passed at all. All right. Final question. You've done amazing so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us one thing about you that would make people question your sanity. So I have an amazing collection of alcohol. Really? Yeah. I, I don't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I do drink some of it, but like, I think I've got probably three closets full of alcohol at, really? at the candy store. Um, we, uh, we use it for a lot of our truffle making and a lot of our recipes. We actually use top shelf liquor. And I think I might have a $2,000 bottle of tequila that will probably never be opened, but I can say I have it. Oh my gosh. So yeah, there, yeah. I think my mom questions my sanity every time she sees it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael Speech Jr., we really appreciate you stopping by. Congratulations on your honor, and we can't wait for the night of October 6th. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I'm so honored. And um, again, I, I can't wait. And thanks also to our Broadcast Media Communications degree program for use of their studios here on campus. And thanks to you as well for listening. I'm Roger Mirabito. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast, Chatting About College. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download fine podcasts from.